Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox podcast. Today, we have Dr. Tanisha Wards on the show, and she's going to be talking about natural ways to alleviate seasonal allergies. This is something a lot of people deal with. I dealt with it growing up. I thought I had allergies to various things, allergies to milk and, you know, things my doctor told me were going on with me. And I chose to drink milk, but just take take my Benadryl every single day. So I wouldn't have a runny nose and watery eyes and, and things like that. And so unfortunately for me, I ended up sleeping through most of my classes in high school and was very, very drowsy. They didn't have the drowsy free stuff back then. Um, but you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that are mistakenly told that they have to take medications or it's genetic or it's uh, their allergies are fixed for life. When really uh, what we talk about in the show is they need to work on their gut. They need to work on their liver health, which will improve their immunity, which will in turn improve their symptoms or even completely eliminate what they think are allergies. And, and also what people don't realize is when you maybe are exposed to mold in your home or your immunity is low, you can start reacting to a lot of different things in your environment you normally wouldn't like food. And so people start reacting to all different types of food when their immune system is kind of on high alert and overstimulated because they have poor gut bacteria or flora and fauna in their gut and their immune system is just you know, overreacting to a lot of different things in their body. And then they get these uh, food sensitivities and food reactions and their focus goes on that. And they start eliminating all types of different foods. We'll talk about why that is misguided and what you can do instead. We'll talk about the problems with typical over-the-counter allergy medications. And we'll also talk about natural ways you can address your allergies and lower histamines naturally. Really, really good show. And I know you guys listening, you are concerned about, you know, your health. You're concerned about, you know, feeling better. And for me, I want you to not just improve your physical health, but your mental well health is your mental well-being as well. And so I created a free masterclass. It's called the Emotional Detox Masterclass. And in this class, I talk about a, lot, a big hidden reason why people have physical health issues and it's emotional trauma. It's negative stuck emotions in their body. And we talk about where those emotions lie in their body, how there's a frequency in their energy field is where these you know, emotions are lying. These traumas are residing in your body and the conventional medical research around sound therapy and how you can use sound therapy to kind of tune these frequencies of these traumas and emotions out of your body. It's, it's really, this masterclass is unbelievable. So I, I beg you to take it. If you have any physical health issues where you've done a lot of different things physically that haven't worked, you've done programs or taken supplements or done different things, and you're still not feeling better, or you're not where you sh think you should be with your health mentally or physically, check it out. It's just an hour of your time. You can check it out at emo-detox.com, E-M-O-D-E-T-O-X.com.
So our guest today is Dr. Tanisha Wards, and she is the founder and medical director of the um, Austin Holistic Health Center in Austin, Texas. And Dr. Wards supports the top 5% most difficult cases that are often written off by other doctors. And she founded the Infinity Way program to uncover and correct the root cause of chronic fatigue and other patient symptoms. And the Infinity Way custom care plans followed by her whole team meet the unique needs of individual patients and help them achieve their wellness goals. Dr. Wards established her practice with science-backed holistic principles that support whole body health. And additionally, Dr. Wards is a published author, public speaker, and a wife and mother. You can learn more about Dr. Wards and her work at austinholisticdoctor.com. Dr. Ward, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into the health industry and opened your Infinity Wellness Center in Austin, Texas. Yeah. So Infinity Wellness Center is a functional medicine practice and it, it really stemmed from my own experiences in life where ultimately Western medicine just let me down. The first time I had, it happened, it happened twice. The first time I really didn't find answers from Western medicine was I was 14 years old and woke up one day, literally unable to bend most of the joints in my body and severe fatigue and pain. And to make a long story short, we went to, I don't know, 10 plus doctors and had every crazy diagnosis you can think of that first they thought it was MS and then lupus. And, um, ultimately those all came back negative. Ultimately they said idiopathic juvenile arthritis. So breaking that down, that just means we don't know why all your joints hurt <laughs> and you're a child. So it's juvenile arthritis kind of thing. Well, through our own research, my mom really did the research. She finally found a doctor that was familiar with what was going on. And, and we thought it could be Lyme disease. And we did the test. He really took one look at me and was like, yep, I think it's Lyme disease and practice practices very much how I do today using herbs and liver detoxing and gut healing and some very basic core health rebuilding of the body. I was able to overcome it. it took about a year. I went under, under undiagnosed for about a year and really lost that year of my life in high school and, and everything because just wasn't able to function. And it took probably another six to nine months to heal. So that's, that's the first time. And that really led me down a holistic health process path of learning more. I, I mean, I was 14 years old and 15 years old. And when I went back to school and cheerleading and sports, I was like bringing my own lunch with vegetables and fruit, and, you know, Turkey and not eating bread and all of these things that we knew was inflaming my body. So that essentially started it. Um, after I had my daughter, I got really, really ill again. And I thought, oh my gosh, the Lyme has a flare up. It came back because I had it so long that we don't believe we actually eradicated it from my body more that it's dormant in remission. I learned to coexist with it, which is pretty common in, in chronic Lyme. If you've had it long enough, sometimes you really don't get rid of it as much as just learn to coexist with it and you're not having symptoms. And that's where I've been for almost three decades now, um, but I found out I had an autoimmune disorder after having my daughter, which is very common after pregnancy, during puberty, after menopause, we see Hashimoto's show up, which is autoimmune thyroid. So using my own processes and my own tests this time, I knew exactly what to do to get that under control and was able to recover quickly with that one. Okay, great. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's like, it's a blessing in disguise almost because this happened at a very young age and really turned 
turn the course of your life into what you're doing today and helping people. And, and, uh, and the focus of our, um, you know, our podcast today is focusing on seasonal allergies. A lot of people struggle with this struggle in general with their immunity and, you know, Mm -hmm. seasonal allergies are, you know, uh, issue with people's immunity. So what's going on there? Cause it's not always just people reacting to things in our environment. Can you explain a little bit more in depth about why people have seasonal allergies? Yes. And I think this is a a perfect opportunity to really talk about kind of the philosophy of our health practice in functional medicine. It's not necessarily always, well, it's not ever, I think sometimes it is it's X it's not always the external stresses. It's more how our body can handle that, deal with it, detox it, process it. So two big things we look at with people when they come into the clinic with allergies, um, whether it's food allergies, seasonal allergies, anything like that is their gut health. Because if their gut health is, if they, if they're not suffering from leaky gut and their gut health is, is strong, that's where 80% of our immune system is. So definitely gut, including the liver, because that's where histamine is broken down from those allergies and processed, you know, through and dumped into the gut. So we definitely look at just leaky gut syndrome. Are we, are we strong there? Do we need to do any rebuilding? And then we look genetically at if they have the AO1C3 gene defect, meaning they don't break down histamine properly. So then we start seeing severe allergies sometimes to the point of like mast cell activation and things like that. We'll start digging in and that being genetic, we know that we can't necessarily change their genes, at least maybe in my lifetime, probably not. I'm mid forties now, probably not that we're going to be able to change genes more of what nutrients can we add to kind of complete the pathway? What holes in the bucket can we fill? What diet modifications can we change or lifestyle modifications to help the body process and function that in the histamine place better. So those are our really big, um, points that we look at with people with allergies. If somebody's local to Austin, cause we see people all over the world now, really, that's kind of one good thing that's happened through COVID is we've really pivoted to a telehealth kind of platform, but if they're local, I also do acupuncture with them. I'm also an acupuncturist. Oh, and so we'll do a lot of the body work also with it, which helps. Okay, great. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what histamines are and how those are causing people's symptoms and what, what the deal is with that? Yeah. It's really the body's reaction to whatever stressors coming at it. So you can have a histamine reaction as simple as having a little bit of a runny nose with a high histamine food, like salsa, a lot of peppers are high histamine. Um, or it can be much more severe to where it really is causing anxiety and fatigue, and it can affect the whole body with it. And, and again, that can be food that can be airborne allergies, literally here in Austin, I can name five patients. I mean, I won't in the podcast, obviously, but I can think of five patients who had to leave central Texas because of the mold, the ragweed. I mean, cedar fever is a real thing. People spike fever. That was very confusing during COVID. We have allergies or do we have COVID? And they went to the desert. I know a couple of them went to like Arizona, New Mexico because, and we did figure out, you know, we did we did have a lot of, um, gut issues and we repaired their gut and we got their body, their immune system to recognize the mold and and process it better. But some of them had some of the genetic defects where their body's just going to react. And, and for some people, a histamine reaction is more systemic and they're completely puffy. You can look at them and know you're suffering from ragweed. Like you look puffy, you're holding weight, things like that. 
Okay, great. Yeah. And, you know, can you talk a little bit about mast cell activation? Because that's something that I think a lot of people aren't, you know, they're not aware of what that is exactly, or that it is severe allergies. And I'm assuming there's a lot of, you know, they go to a conventional doctor, maybe they're not cluing into that. So what is that? And what are the, the symptoms there? Essentially, it's an overreaction of histamine production and the body. And we see this a lot. Again, there's different genes and I may not be able to name all of those off the top of my head, but there's a whole pathway to shut down an overhistamine reaction. So really mast cell activation is essentially the body's doing what it's supposed to do. It's, it's making the histamine, it's, you know, causing the runny, the puffy, the inflammation to try to get rid of the allergen or whatever it's causing but the genes and the pathways that are supposed to shut that down aren't happening. So it just keeps happening. And it's not very different from what, what we've been hearing in the news the last couple of years is a cytokine storm. It's, it's doing exactly what the body's supposed to do. It's sending the right cells and the eosinophils and the right white blood cells to the area of inflammation. It's just not stopping and calming down when the problem is, is, resolving and it's overworking, which essentially I've seen can lead to autoimmune disorders in all different places of the body. But it looks like anything again, from looking really puffy and swelling to anxiety and debilitating fatigue because the body's so inflamed and it, it really gets into this inflamed storm. And we do things like quercetin or glutathione to try to flush it and lower the inflammation. And, and sometimes that's helps. And that's the magic trick. Other times we have to really change what they're putting in their body, their environment, things like that. Also, we find a lot of mast cell activation. If people are in a moldy environment in their home and they have no idea and they're spending, you know, well, with a lot of people, um, you know, especially being in their home more in the last couple of years, working from home, we've seen more and more mast cell activation from mold toxicity than I've ever seen here in all over the country, really, but central Texas is, is bigger than we thought because, they're sitting in this environment that's inflaming them. That's causing their mast cells to cause more inflammation 24 hours a day, almost kind of thing. Yeah. And they start reacting to other things. They start reacting to all kinds of stuff. Yes. When you're in that, when you're in that vicious cycle of inflammation and mast cell activation, you start reacting to things you never have before. People will say things like I've never been allergic to, I'm just throwing something out there, apples. And we're like, okay, you shouldn't be allergic to apples. <laughs> like that's a, or what oranges are just something super healthy and random that we wouldn't think it's just, everything is inflaming them so much and yeah. it's causing really insomnia, anxiety, flu-like symptoms. Yeah. Cause certainly when people start, you know, they've been able to eat whatever they wanted their whole life and they start cluing in the fact they're reacting to apples, they're reacting to wheat, they're reacting to dairy. And then people kind of start thinking, okay, it's the food. They start focusing in on that. And I mean, I've had clients come to me, they can eat five foods and right. that's it. They just keep eliminating, 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 and they are just so miserable, weight loss, et cetera. And so uh, can you talk a little bit about that phenomenon and why that it's that's not sustainable? I think that's the perfect example of you're not allergic to that many things. It's your, it's your inner terrain. It's your body having a reaction, not the food causing the reaction. At that point, there's either so much inflammation or so much, um, yeah, really cytokines in your system. The histamine reaction is so high that the body really can't process anything. And, and those, we see a lot of people come in like that. Again, they take a, a food allergy test and there's like 38 things on it. And we're like, mm, 
okay, that's not a food problem. That's a you problem. And we need to take a step back. And so at that point, we'll do things like genetic testing, stool testing. Let's find out exactly. I always like to say, let's test, not guess. Let's find out if there is an underlying infection in the gut lining. If there is a genetic defect, we also run people's histamine levels in a urine test. So we can find out, are they just overly inflamed and if so, what's causing it? And that's where we really get in and do the detective work that we do in our office through the infinity way. We do a, a very long intake as I'm sure you do too. And, and all the things to really figure out what's our starting point here, because it's not that you can't eat anything, but these four things. Yeah. And they might need to avoid those foods for like a minute until you get the gut fixed and, and order and the immune system calmed down. Um, but uh, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, gut gut dysbiosis, leaky gut, and all of those things that lead to this immune system malfunction, and then what you do to fix the gut. Starting in the gut is probably our starting point for 99% of patients. Even if they come in with anxiety, insomnia, depression, we start in the gut. Um, even if it's hormone imbalances, we start in the gut. And, and the reason why is nothing else matters if you're not absorbing and breaking things down. So in specifically for brain chemistry cases that we run, if you're low in serotonin and dopamine's out of balance, those neurotransmitters are made more so in the gut and they go to the brain. That's why we st have started calling um, the gut, the second brain. And there's a huge connection, leaky gut, leaky brain. So again, people are like, Hey doc, why are we healing my gut? I came in for, you know, insomnia. And the reason is exactly what I just said. We have to figure out what's going on with the gut. So we start with a stool test and I love the GI map test. It tells us not only what bad bugs could be in the gut in, in too, too much of an amount, you know, it's okay to have, it's all about balance. And that's probably the, the best way to describe dysbiosis. If there's too much bad guys in the gut, fungus, bacteria, parasites, even you're going to have dysbi dysbiosis. If there's not enough of the good guys, you're going to have dysbiosis. So we very much have to figure out from the stool test, what do we need to implant good wise into the gut? And sometimes we can do that with food. Sometimes it's probiotics. Sometimes it's prebiotics. And what do we need to take away? What do we have too much of what bad bacteria what bad bugs are living in there that we need to take away. And that's really the crux of healing the gut. Leaky gut itself can be caused by a lot of different things. Stress. You hear about stressed out people getting ulcers and what leaky gut is, is inside the gut lining. You should have all this good flora and bacteria. Well, when it starts to thin, it thins like this versus being tighter junctions there. Bad things seep through the gut lining into the bloodstream, into the joints, into the body across the blood brain barrier. So it can be anything from food dyes, um, pesticides, anything we're getting in our food. That's not food can leak through when it's leaky versus when the gut is sealed, we call it healed and sealed. Um, only the good micronutrients that we need macronutrients, micronutrients from the macronutrients that we need really to make energy and make our body work. Like that's all the body's trying to pull out of your food through the stomach lining. But when it's leaky thinned, which again, stress can do that because stress will pull all those good bacteria and nutrients from the gut to make more cortisol and adrenaline processed foods. Absolutely can do it. Highly acidic foods can do it. 
definitely things like refined sugar and alcohol, they just really inflame the gut and, and really just tear down the good bacteria. So it can definitely be more mental, emotional stress. It could definitely be more eating foods that your body can't process and chemicals in them. Um, it can be a lot of different things. Underlying infections can definitely cause leaky gut. Yeah. And that's what we got to find out. There's so many things working against our gut. I mean, we can be smoking as well, antibiotics, glyphosate, which is sprayed on all the non-organic food. It kills all the gut bacteria. I mean, there's like people going too nuts with, uh, you know, natural antibiotics. So maybe oregano or silver, things like that. Chlorine in the water, drinking water that's got chlorine in it or swimming too much. I mean, it's just so many things. It's a mad, it's a, it's amazing that we even have positive gut bacteria or good gut bacteria left. <laughs> You're hundred percent right. I say this at least once a week, we have created an environment, a world that we can hardly survive in. I mean, here in Austin, they have found fluoride in our water. I'm originally from Flint, Michigan. Let's, let's not oh, go no. into lead in our water. Like all of those people still drinking that have to have leaky gut. I mean, that's lead. What is that going to do to your gut lining when you drink it? It's not, it's not going to make it happy. It's only going to burn holes in it and inflame it. I mean, you're absolutely right. And then the roundup they're spraying on everything. Yeah. You mentioned that, that I mean, you're right. It, it's, yeah. it's hard. So we can't live in a bubble. <laughs> I want to, I have a seven-year-old. I want to bubble wrap her every day. Um, <laughs> all we can do is I believe try to live as toxin free as we can and stay ahead of, and on top of our gut health. And really that, I think once we, we put people through, um, different programs for different ailments and, the first step in both, all of them really is gut healing. And I would say more than 60, sometimes we get really a good case. 70% of people's ailments are almost gone. If not gone after the gut healing, then we can kind of dive into, okay, do you have Lyme disease? Do you have mold toxicity? Is there a still autoimmunity? Cause sometimes we can heal. Heal might be the wrong word. I know probably more reverse put into remission autoimmunity just by healing the gut. We've seen, we see that all the time. And oh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's definitely a starting point for most people. Yeah. And I really think that people that say react to mold or they have mold sensitivities or mold reactions going on, it's really just their gut. It's not that they are, they can be genetically have issues with mold, but I think there's a lot of people out there. Like why does one person react to mold and the other person doesn't? you know, it's your terrain, it's your gut, you know, and yeah, genetics can play a factor as well, but, you know, definitely if you have, you know, your gut isn't healthy, your immune system isn't healthy, you're going to be more prone to have issues with mold. Absolutely. And it's an uphill battle every day to, to have that healthy immune system, to have that healthy gut, because again, of, of exactly what you just listed our environment in our life. And yeah, genetics is really just kind of the card you've been dealt and if you have a lot of defects, there's ways to deal with those that we dig into. But again, it all comes down to your immune system and gut. Absolutely. And so talk about some of the solutions you have for allergies. So we're talking about, you know, fixing the gut, fixing the terrain. What are some other things that people can do? You mentioned quercetin, which is like amazing. My mom takes that. She lives in Texas. That yeah. really helps her a lot during allergy season. Like um, what is that doing? How much do you need to take? And what are some other things that you recommend for people? Yeah. Quercetin is a great one. Um, 
it's in a product that I really like called natural dehist. And so essentially it's an antihistamine. It helps break down the histamine levels and help clear it, helps it clear through the liver quickly. Um, I also dabble in homeopathics. So a lot of people that have ragweed, you know, allergies here, will will do, do some of the ragweed drops, it, but I really like to start that m- a couple months before the ragweed hits, which is really good. Um, a lot of immune defense stuff, probiotics. Again, I like to test to know exactly what strain we're reimplanting. If somebody doesn't want to test or hasn't tested, I, I recommend alternating a probiotic every couple bottles, a new one to get to not overload one strain and not enough of another kind of thing. I also like a product, um, from standard process called Antronex and Allerplex. Both are really good and both are really liver work. So gut work, yes, with allergies, but also liver because that's where the allergens are cleared. So my high, highly allergic people that are, you know, can't step outside. Um, oftentimes after we heal the gut immediately, we put them into a liver cleanse. And I also never like to put people into a liver cleanse until they've done a gut repair. I always say, we never break you down until we've built you up. And, and that's why people who jump into some of these intense liver cleanses without kind of doing the pre-work because the liver is going to dump those toxins into the GI tract. The GI tract has to eliminate it, or it'll dump it into the lymph and it'll come through the skin if the gut's not working. So people who go through a liver cleanse and they're miserable and they're breaking out and they're awful, it's too harsh. Their gut couldn't handle it. We need to do the right thing in the right time and the right steps to prepare the body for what it needs to be prepared for in order to do that. Yeah, I so agree with you. The liver is so important for, and it's one of the first, our first line in our immunity. And mm-hmm. I don't think people realize that it's your detox organ as well. Um, but yeah, we got to break down those allergens and work on that liver. A lot of people's livers are toast. You know, I say this yes. all the time, but you know, there's a hundred million people in the U S alone with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And so their livers yes. are just not functioning optimally, uh, including to break down allergens. And you nailed it earlier when you talked about, um, spoke about medications and antibiotics and things like that, that all has to process through the liver. And I believe certain medications alone can cause non-alcoholic fatty liver. They've been on, you know, whatever, I'm just going to throw something out there like tramadol for, or any type of, you know, gabapentin, any type of pain medicine or muscle relaxer for 25 years going to, it's going to stress the liver. Those things are, I mean, birth control can stress the liver that all those excess hormones have to be broken down through the liver. So yes, that's a, that's a big one. Definitely working on the liver and one, one really gentle liver cleanse that we start patients on, um, that a couple things, but one thing they could just do through food is having them do apples, pears, and beets every day. Those it's so simple, um, juice it, eat them, you know, however you can get them in, um, people will throw them in a smoothie. Another is starting the day with warm lemon water and cayenne. So kind of a play off the master cleanse, not adding the maple syrup and not having people fast because not everybody can handle that. We need to build them up, but just warm lemon water with just a pinch of cayenne in the morning really helps dilate the bile duct to to purge and junk and get junk out of the liver also. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do. I mean, coffee enemas, liver flushes. Not everyone's ready for those. Those are a little can be a little bit harsh, but coffee enemas are amazing to help that liver kind of get get working again. You know, wake it up a little bit so it can do its job. Um, One but of yeah. my favorite things is to give a fairly newer patient our coffee enema handout. And- <laughs> 
<laughs> and <especially> they run. <laughs> especially if they're in the middle of like a Herxheimer reaction where you kind of feel better before you feel, or sorry, you feel worse before you feel better because of die off of infections or whatever the case may be that we're dealing with. Sometimes parasites, sometimes Lyme disease, they'll have a Herx reaction. Mold detox will cause it. They look at me like, you want me to do what with coffee? I thought you just took me off coffee because my adrenals are shot. And now you want me to put it where <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun. And, um, it takes a little convincing sometimes, but I have not had one patient who did not come back and say, oh my gosh, I felt 60, 70% better after one coffee enema. Oh yeah. Yeah. People that they don't want to do them. They don't want, they don't like the sound of them. I am, especially the guys I am. That's just not happening. <laughs> But then when they're in enough pain and they're like, okay, I'll try it. And then they're like, they're off to the races. They're, That's they're the ready. key. If you feel bad enough. Yeah. hundred percent. Yep. You will do. I had one patient say, I will stand on my head and eat dirt. If you tell me to, I'm like, well, we're not going to go there. Um, <laughs> but I would like you to go get an enema bag. <laughs> yeah. It's just so easy. You'll feel better. If you put some coffee up your poop shoot, it's like, it's <laughs> yes. so simple. It's so easy. Yes. <laughs> okay. And so let's talk about some, the problems with allergy medications, like the over-the-counter allergy medications. And, you know, cause I, I took those all through high school. I mean, I had a lot of what I thought were allergies. It may have been something else, but when I took that, the antihistamine, uh, lo and behold, my, my nose stopped running and whatnot, but needless to say, I slept through a lot of my classes in high school because I was super tired. So what's, what's going on with those? What's the problem? I was just going to say drowsiness, right? Like the side effects of them can really be detrimental on people's lives for sure. And it's a bandaid. It, you know, it's just, it only works when it's in your system. You know, we're not fixing anything. We're just really shutting off the symptoms, which again, we say, um, symptoms aren't bad. Symptoms are telling us something if you listen to the body. So absolutely, you know, it's just covering up the real problem and something we've been talking about a bit here is it's stress. You have, you have to clear those medications through the liver, you know, and if you look at something, I guess I don't want to name names of medications, but look at the back of the box at the, the pharmacy. Next time you're going to see red dye 40, you're going to see yellow dye. Like there's toxins in those also that are just really perpetually making it worse long-term ultimately until you find and fix the core root cause of why can you not handle mold or oak when your spouse or your neighbor can? Again, we're in the same environment. It's our inner terrain. So it's just not fixing anything. And I think long-term it's going to stress the body. Now there is a time and place for that stuff, right? You're allergic to bees. You're going to have such a histamine reaction that, you know, it could be fatal. Obviously take the Benadryl, take, <laughs> take what you need to get to wh where you need to go. Like, I'm not saying never take an allergy medication. I'm definitely saying that it's not going to fix your allergies. It's not going to fix your body's reaction to allergies long-term. Yeah. Really? Ultimately you, yeah. You want to get to the underlying root cause uh, of why this is happening. And I think a lot of people just kind of surrender to think that, oh, I have allergies to this. And that it's like, it's fixed. And there's nothing that they can really do except take a medication. I think there's a yeah. lot of people that kind of have that mindset because I've never yeah. really been told that you can do things to fix your gut and your immunity. Hopelessness. Yeah. They're just like, this is who I am. I have to take this the rest of my life. Now I will say I've noticed something that I think was even happening before the pandemic, but I think this has sped it up is that 
I think the general population is starting to really understand that concept and they're starting to really understand. I don't want a pill for this. That's going to cause 18 other things and make me sleepy or, you know, whatever the case may be. I really want to find and fix this. I really want to be healthy. I want to be the strongest and the best immune system that I can be kind of thing. Um, and so I think that's a great and beautiful thing. I also think that they're not trusting Western modern medicine blindly so much anymore because they've seen just some, they, I think they've seen that a lot of people are just human and just winging it and trying to figure it out too. And it's not getting the core root cause. Yeah. And so can you tell the, the listeners kind of where they can find you, how they can work with you or with you remotely or in person to work on their allergies or all the other, you know, health conditions you, you specialize in? Absolutely. So our Austin clinic is Austin holistic doctor. That's Austin holistic Um, and we do telehealth and, and telemedicine and, and can absolutely see anybody in the country. Again, we've got some patients, um, outside the country. And then I also have a personal website, Dr. Tanisha wards.com. Okay, great. Well, yeah. Dr. Wards, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I hope that helped to illuminate for some of you people the, you know, that you don't have to live with your allergies forever. Okay. And certainly people have some fixed allergies like shellfish or things like that, but there's a uh, apart yes. from that, there's a lot of things that you can do to boost your immune system and improve your allergies or your just reduce your reactions. Um, so everyone, thanks for tuning in. I'm Dr. Wendy Myers, and it's just uh, it's just such a joy every week to be. I love my job. I love being able to help you guys, give you information and insight to help you live a better life, healthier life, because you deserve to feel good. So thanks for tuning in, and I'll talk to you guys next week. The Myers Detox Podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Wendy Myers and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.